Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Dr. Alan Campbell's Spanish translation class has been working on a training script for the YWCA Shear Haven Initiative. It's the wise way of helping beauticians recognize signs of domestic violence. With us today are Dr. Campbell, an assistant professor of Spanish, and three students, Lorna Hedges, Owen Toddy, and Jordan Marsh, a bilingual project that might actually help save lives after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Mascots for MTSU and Chick-fil-A shook hooves to celebrate a winning partnership on January 12th as the university and the fast food chain signed an agreement that provides tuition assistance to qualifying local Chick-fil-A employees. With the university's mascot, Lightning, and the restaurant chain's cow in attendance, MTSU President Sidney McPhee and Bo Noblet, a restaurant operator for Chick-fil-A Murfreesboro, revealed details during a signing ceremony at the Chick-fil-A restaurant on Memorial Boulevard. Under the Noblet True Blue Education Partnership, eligible employees at the two Murfreesboro restaurants will be able to take up to six credit hours of MTSU classes each year, with 100% of their tuition costs fully funded beginning this spring semester. The restaurant chain will fund tuition costs for two semesters per calendar year, up to three credit hours per semester. Qualifying students who want to pay for additional hours or semesters will be allowed to do so at a reduced corporate tuition rate. It's the second such agreement following the university's August 2020 collaboration with Murfreesboro-based McGuire Management Group. They provide 100% of tuition costs for qualifying employees at McGuire's McDonald's franchises. McPhee said the partnership builds on the legacy of Chick-fil-A's late founder, C. Truett Cathy, who began awarding education scholarships in 1973. And nearly 5,700 MTSU students are included on the latest dean's list for academic achievements during this past fall semester. The new list, alphabetized by home county, state, and surname, is the final compilation by the MTSU Records Office of 5,678 undergraduate students earning the dean's list distinction for the fall. To qualify for the dean's list, an undergrad student must maintain a current semester grade point average of at least 3.5 and have earned at least 12 semester hours. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. Welcome one and all. Dr. Campbell, we will start with you. How did you and your class come to be involved with this project? Thank you. Well, we actually just got an email from the department um, that had been circulated around the MTSU community and they were looking for someone to do both into Spanish and into Vietnamese translation for this training video. And um, we were able to help with 50% of that, the into Spanish translation. So how close are you to the completion of the script? Well, uh, the students have performed the uh, majority of the work up to this point. We're uh, basically done. We've created subtitles in both English and in Spanish, and we are ready to work forward uh, with the dubbing project. So we're working on finding some uh, folks to provide the voice acting for that project and then being in some studio time with Owen's uh, experience in uh, audio production. We're going to use the MTSU resources there as well to hopefully create a high quality recording that can be dubbed over the project. Do you have any deadline by which you have to uh, submit the finished product? 
we're hoping to get it in as soon as we can. And what exactly does the law say? Does it just mandate that uh, people who want a license from the state have to go through a certain kind of training? Uh, I believe so. I'm not positive uh, what the actual specifics are of the law, but I know that the YWCA did help write that legislation and that it does provide uh, certain organizations such as the YWCA the authority to provide the training. I put uh, this out here to any of the students. I guess I'll start with Lorna. Have you encountered any challenges along the way with any English words or phrases that didn't work as well in Spanish as you thought they might? I think that happens with any translation, to be honest. Um, trying to think of some off the top of my head, but uh, there's always certain um, slang terms or you know certain isms of the English language that don't really compute in other languages. So we have to find those differences and Jordan, translate uh, them. I'm sorry, Jordan. Can you think of any? Uh, I know, for example, um, the concept of like pushing someone to like tell you and stuff like you can't just translate that literally as like pushing in Spanish or anything like that. There's just like when translating, you have to take into account like the context, like just, you know, like you can't just take things too literally because then people would misunderstand them in the target language. Did you encounter any Owen? Um, I would say I agree with uh, Lorna and Jordan. Um, a lot of the translation process uh, really centered around how the presenter in the original video spoke. And a lot of her language was very informal. And so in trying to create our translation, we wanted to maintain that informality in the conversational tone. Um, so we, we actually ended up going with the uh, informal uh, two form, um, which meant that uh, it was a more personal connection between the audience and uh, the presenter. One of the things that uh, I encounter in this neck of the woods is uh, that some uh, Caucasians refer to all Latinos as Mexicans, even if they came from Guatemala or El Salvador or uh, it came from uh, Argentina or Peru or wherever or Spain. And so uh, do you have to work around in the course of the translation, the fact that not all Spanish speaking people speak in exactly the same way, that there are certain idioms depending upon where you come from that uh, people in other countries might not necessarily recognize? I'll answer that one. I think definitely. Um, there's just certain words that mean totally different things in Spain versus even Latin America as a whole. Um, there are some words that are even used vulgarly in some countries and not vulgarly in others. So you really have to be careful about uh, who your audience is, which is what we focus on a lot of the time in Dr. Campbell's class um, and trying to convey a message that is um, gonna be understood in your target audience. 
So, Dr. Campbell, this is uh, sort of going to be uh, not only a language education, but perhaps a cultural education for some of uh, these hairdressers or beauticians who uh, might not be familiar with all of the nuances uh, of Latino culture, correct? Uh, right. So we're actually working with um, the training will be available to to English speakers, to Spanish speakers, and to those that speak Vietnamese. And so a lot of what the focus is, is to make the training accessible. So there's a lot of cross-pollination between the bilingual and bicultural aspects of the, the situation that might arise in, in such that the folks that are gonna be taking this training do live here and they do live in a US and specifically in a Tennessee context. And so they will have that cultural understanding of where they live. Um, while at the same time, they'll have the unique relationships that they have generated with their clients to have the trust, understanding, and et cetera, to, to perhaps broach a conversation that might need to be had uh, on, the, on behalf of, of someone in need. And so what we're really trying to do here is to provide training to folks in their, in their language so that they're able to uh, know the resources that are available, understand their responsibilities and the opportunities that they have to help. And so it is a mix of a lot of the cultural and um, linguistic aspects of their life in in both a professional and in a personal sense because they do live in a U.S. English-speaking context but they have relationships with people um, that are probably bound by different linguistic factors and so we're trying to make sure that the the training and the resources that they are going to be uh, hopefully able to use are accessible in a lot of ways. We'll take a break here we'll return in just a moment this is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to TERRA, which has members in 20 states and 7 nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The Center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. We now return to our discussion of the Shearhaven Initiative with Dr. Alan Campbell and three of his Spanish translation students, Lorna Hedges, Owen Toddy, and Jordan Marsh. The relationship between uh, a hairdresser, especially one with a regular clientele, and those clients is, uh, is a very intimate one. All kinds of conversations take place in beauty shops and barber shops. Uh, even so, uh, domestic violence is a, a very touchy subject. Uh, I'm wondering how a hairdresser can work up a conversation with a client about such a sensitive subject without seeming nosy or invasive. And how do you guys take that into consideration when you're looking for just the right words to say as you translate the training script? Is there a better Spanish word that would work for this? a more sensitive word that would work than just being using a word to translate for this English, a synonym for this English word, 
that would be too blunt or too off-putting. Right. I think um, when working with translation, especially like when it's words that someone is saying, like how they would say it, I'd tr- I would typically want to try and stick to how they're putting it because in a way it's, you're not just translating for like um, trying to make them sound better in a way. You want to tell people what they are saying and how they're saying it. If there is a better word, I, I, I guess I would, I just feel like it's more important to say what, to get what they're saying across rather than try and like put a cherry on it, make it seem better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Owen, do you agree with that? It's, it's more important to be literal. Uh, yeah. In the context of this training, um, the presenters of the training used words that were more straightforward and raw, straight to the point, but they did emphasize the need to be empathetic and understanding uh, when, you know, discussing these sorts of issues with the clients in the chair, um, not necessarily going to detail on what specific words to use, but just kind of the way to present yourself um, and be an understanding and not make accusations. Right. The the reason I ask Lorna is because I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know how much room there is for euphemism or wiggle room in the Spanish language. Do you know what I mean? I do. And Dr. Campbell teaches this translation in a four course um, path. And we've learned since the first course that we have to honor the speaker, honor the the source uh, text, Um, And so that's a really big part of translation as a whole. Um, And I think as with any language, there's like a million different words to say one thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so in that way, we can sort of sort of shape the target text, which would be what we're translating into. Um, We can shape that. But at the end of the day, we do have to honor the speaker or the source text um, and convey that original message. Dr. Campbell, does the fact that the training is online have any impact on the way you translate? That's a great question. So the training is really um, an audiovisual format, which was perfect for what we were doing in our course at the time. So we were specifically working in the in the field of audiovisual translation at the time. And so we were able to, to use the online training to our advantage because it is an audiovisual format. We were able to use that to leverage our work with subtitles, um, with the translation of subtitles, and then with um, dubbing and voiceover. So for our purposes, it was really helpful because we were able to both provide a service to this uh, to this initiative, while at the same time being able to use it for our pedagogical or our didactic purposes, where we're learning how to do the audiovisual translation within the bigger field of translation in general. So it was really helpful to be able to have this unique, I guess, caveat of it being online, because not only did it provide us the opportunity to do something for the community, but also really specific to what we were working on. And we were able to see perfect examples of some of the limitations. We call it a constrained translation when we talk about audiovisual, because it's constrained by space and time. And so we were able to see some examples from this project as we're working through it of the constraints that were placed on us on how much text will fit on the screen at a certain time 
or how much a speaker can say in the target language in a period of time because we know that as a general rule between 15 and 30 percent difference of words to say the same thing in spanish and english whereas spanish has more so when we're thinking about our dubbing for the voiceover we need to consider how long it takes someone to say something in english will take about 15 to 30 percent more time to say in spanish so when we're thinking about the translation of an audiovisual product that is an online training in this case it was a great opportunity for us uh, to apply some of our more specific uh, tasks and, and skills while we were working through the intricacies of that modality. And different people have different read rates too. So you might need to be coached while the recording is taking place and saying, speed up, slow down, do this, do that, that kind of thing. Right. And those are some of the technical aspects that are standardized across the audiovisual translation uh, field. And so we know that there is a word rate per second on screen and there is a character limit of visual text on screen for a certain period of time. And those were all conventions that the students were able to engage with and uh, learn about and have to then fulfill and meet while they went through the analysis phase after they've created some of these uh, subtitles and, and the different products that are going to be applied to this audiovisual online training. So absolutely, there were some things that we uh, learn about and we become aware of that we've maybe seen before when we've watched some subtitled or some dubbed audiovisual products in our free time that we then have some uh, really acute knowledge of based on getting into the field of audiovisual translation and, and uh, reading speed and characters per subtitle are very, very, very pertinent to this field. So the translation is not just the important thing, but also the pronunciation and getting that right is absolutely important so that the hairdressers and the customers will understand what you're what you're saying. Right. And that's why we're going to be working with native speakers to do our voiceover acting um, so that we can use a, a neutral um, American Spanish to ensure that whoever is going to be uh, consuming the product, as we say, uh, whoever's going to be going through this training is going to have access to the language in a way that is familiar and comfortable to them without the regional or um, otherwise linguistic specifics of some context that may not be helpful at the end of the day. So we're trying to make sure that we go into a neutral Spanish uh, with correct pronunciation. Um, and of course, we apply those same things to our written text in the form of the subtitles. So we wanna make sure that those are all um, high quality, have gone through our quality control process with um, grammar and all of the other orthographic specifics that need to happen. How do you and the students divvy up the specific duties or responsibilities among yourselves? Good question. Owen, will you tell us about how you how you worked on two different translation agency teams within the class? Yeah, so the way we broke down this project was we mimicked a translation agency within the class. And so Dr. Campbell split us up into two teams, each of us having our own translation agency. And within each agency, there was like a hierarchical structure um, that allowed everyone to say, hey, this is what I'm keeping track of. And this is what I'm delegating to you. So we had like the jefe, which is the boss of everything, who oversee the entire project, make sure the final product was up to quality. And then from there, it split off into production and post-production. Production being our translators, making sure the quality of the translation was um, up to par. And the post-production were the people that they did uh, revisions and editing of the translation, as well as making sure the technical aspects of the subtitle work was... Uh, meeting the standards that we set for ourselves.
We'll take one more break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. We're talking about the YWCA Shearhaven Initiative and the training script for helping beauticians uh, have discussions with their clients about possible domestic violence. Uh, Dr. Alan Campbell's Spanish translation class has been working on this, and three of his students are with us, Lorna Hedges, Owen Toddy, and Jordan Marsh. Alan, how do you grade something like this? Great question. So um, this is one of those projects that will be graded in accordance with some pretty high standards. So what we've been able to do, uh, we actually used the subtitling conventions that are published and publicly available by Netflix. They're one of the industry leaders in audiovisual translation. And so I will be using their rubrics uh, to score the audiovisual translation that the students performed in their translation agency teams. They'll also be getting some scores based on the, the group work component, as we talked about before. They worked in mock translation agencies, and so they served in different roles, project management and um, editing and revising, and so they'll be getting some feedback and some scoring based on the, the role that they play within the team. But specifically, we'll be looking at the technical aspect of the translation, uh, specifically with the time-ins and the time-outs of the subtitles, the character limitations, and the other formal conventions that we know that we have to abide by within uh, kind of generally accepted subtitling standards, and we'll be using Netflix's guidelines for those. If people want to know more about this project, uh, how do they get in touch? If, if they would li like to know more about what you guys are doing, how you're doing it, and how this is uh, going to help both beauticians and their clients. Sure. So I know that uh, the, the YWCA is in partnership with Barberside, who are sponsoring the, the hosting of the training online. It's on Barberside's website. And then obviously through MTSU, we're here to help and here to provide any sort of uh, connection to the actual service providers that we can or any other linguistic support as needed. So obviously anyone can reach out to us in the Department of World Languages, Literatures and Cultures uh, or directly to Barberside or the YWCA. And before uh, we leave you, Jordan, Owen, and Lorna, I'd like to ask each of you what it means to you to be a part of something that is not only endorsed by the state, but could have an impact, a wide-reaching impact on many, many lives. Jordan? Well, I think um, for me, looking at it personally, a lot of women in my life have been victims of domestic violence. Um, so being able to just do something like knowing that I'm helping even just one person 
uh, with this. It's, it means a lot. And I mean, like, I never would have done it unless I was here in Dr. Campbell's class. So it, it definitely touches my heart knowing that someone's going to see that and, you know, it, it'll help just one person, at least I will be happy. Owen? Uh, the setting of the hair salon is an interesting one and in that it is a place where people feel more comfortable and have these sorts of personal conversations. Um, I do think that the, being part of this translation is super helpful, especially for those that don't speak English as well, opening it up to that wider audience. A lot of them may not know that they have resources available to them here in Middle Tennessee uh, that can help them, um, like the help beauty professionals uh, find resources for their clients or even uh, resources for those experiencing domestic violence. And so raising this awareness um, is something that's really important and I think will make a big impact on the lives of many women in Middle Tennessee. And Lorna? Yeah, I learned so much even just working on this uh, translation. Um, I feel or I felt and I feel empowered to even do something um, if I see it now, even outside of the beauty world. Um, and so I feel empowered and responsible to make change. And I'm so thankful to Dr. Campbell um, for having us do this translation. It's been a great experience for sure. And I learned so much even about domestic abuse um, and how to help people. And I know that this training is gonna empower other hairstylists um, to make change as well. Lorna Hedges, Owen Tuddy, Jordan Marsh, and Dr. Alan Campbell. Thank you for being our guest today on MTSU on the Rec. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. We'll be right back. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE advisor. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Gina Fan has the middle moment. MTSU begins the spring semester of its 111th academic year, January 18th, and most of the more than 1,670 students who received their new degrees last month won't be returning for these new classes. But University President Sidney A. McPhee's proud, encouraging remarks to those fall 2021 graduates in mid-December are still appropriate for the students who are back on campus in 2022. I'm so grateful that you have chosen our university to pursue your academic degree. No one could have predicted the enormous impact a previously unknown virus would have on our nation 
and the global community. And I know that many of you would not have chosen to persist through an academic year with so many unknowns, so many challenges to your routine. You have faced the challenges with great determination and today you'll be rewarded with a college degree from an outstanding university. And as your president, along with our faculty, staff, and alumni, I want you to know that we are extremely proud of you. We look forward to seeing the far-reaching impact of what you have learned during your studies at our university. And I encourage you to remain involved and take pride in your alma mater. And as always, remain true blue. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.